Um, good to be together. Thank you for coming this morning. My name's Tim, and welcome again to Greater Alton Church. Uh, if it's your first time here, we're glad you could be with us. We know there's other churches you could attend, and we're just glad that you could come and uh, visit with us. And we hope you're encouraged uh, as we bring God's power and our problems together. God does wonderful things when His power is unleashed on the problems of life. And so we hope you're encouraged today. You're going to notice uh, in the bulletin, uh, if you have a bulletin, you'll notice inside there is a set of notes, and you can follow along in these notes by simply, uh, we fill in blanks here, we might circle a word or two, and you keep those notes. Look at everything later. You know, the Bible talks about some Bereans in the book of Acts who study the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. And the apostle... That Paul, Paul was an apostle, and they checked him out. I'm not an apostle. You need to check me out and really look and see if what we're looking at today is from the Bible. And so uh, I want to encourage you to take those notes home. And again, if it's your first time here, you can get a free CD of today's lesson. Or if you'd like, you could just get a, another CD of maybe a, a lesson that we've had for the book of Acts. They'll show you what we've preached on, and maybe you'd like to have a, a CD, CD of that. Instead, that way you get to hear two sermons out of the book of Acts. Uh, let's see. You're going to notice in the bulletin in the back, Hannah was baptized as well as Noah. And, and are they here? There's Noah. Stand up, Noah. There's Noah. Okay. And, and they were baptized Sunday, and that was awesome. And it's good to, to uh, see people becoming Christians. And, and uh, we, we, we're always we're just, we're just thankful, Noah. And, and uh, we want you to know, you know God bless you with a long life in Christ. That, that'd be, that's, that's what he wants us to have. Um, well, you may have noticed out in the parking lot, the lights are finally up. And, and uh, I don't know if you got to watch the, the drama take place last week, but I got to chew on some hamburgers with my brother and watch the excitement as these guys were putting these up by hand. It looked like the Egyptians working on the pyramids, folks. It was really exciting. You'd see them bring up the light, and everybody go, oh, and then they go, oh, <laughs> oh. And finally they brought one up and... Thunderous applause, and then it seemed like they were getting better as the day progressed. But they're up, and they do work, and it's great that uh, many of you have donated money to get these lights up and working. Uh, Mike was telling me there's about a thousand more dollars what we need to get that to, to get the budget. So if you'd like to help with that, uh, let me encourage you just to earmark that above your regular contribution. Just put down, hey, I'd like to give some of this to um, to the lights, and they'll make sure it goes to that. But thank you for for uh, those of you who've been generous and uh, also for the guys and some of the ladies that were helping put these lights up last week. It really, I enjoyed the afternoon. It was very nice to watch. And, and besides, uh, your help was, was greatly appreciated. Uh, let's see. Um, in a lovely day, I think it's going to rain today and we need it. It'd be nice to have a little drizzle, wouldn't it? We're in the book of Acts. And um, before we get into the book of Acts, I've got one more thing. I understand there's a couple of people with birthdays today, and I can't. I got to mention them. I got to mention them, okay? Rhonda, where are you, Rhonda? Are you over this way? Rhonda, stand up. It's her birthday today. Today, and and uh, she's at the she's experiencing the youth of old age. So uh, the big she's hit hit fifty hit fifty. Okay, so. You turn 40, you hit 50, okay? You make it to 60, okay? <laughs> so, but, uh, and it goes on and on. But, uh, Rhonda, happy birthday. And, I, and Miranda's birthday is today, too. Miranda, stand up. And I, I don't think Miranda's 50 today. I, I, you know, how old are you today, Miranda? What did she say? She's 12? 
11. Wow, double digit 11, 1-1. One, one. That's cool. So happy birthday to the two of you. And if you have had a birthday recently, happy birthday to you as well. Have they, has anybody sang happy birthday to you, Rhonda? Oh, they have? Miranda, have you got to hear happy birthday? At your party? I just want to make sure, you know, we just wanted to make sure everybody got, got to hear happy birthday. Huh? Encore? Why don't we sing happy birthday to Rhonda and Miranda this morning? Has anybody else got a birthday? I want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Okay. I don't know why. I'm just in the singing mood. Okay. <laughs> uh, Karen? Tuesday. Oh, wow. That's a sunset of life here. Yeah. And Floyd, are you got a birthday coming? You're just trying to pass it. You just don't even notice them anymore. Is that what you're saying? I don't even know what to do with you. So why don't we sing Rhonda, Rhonda, Miranda, and Karen. We'll just throw them all three in there, okay? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rhonda, Miranda, and Karen. And Floyd. Happy birthday to you. I don't know if it's Floyd or Susie. Which one? Oh, over here. All right. We're in the book of Acts. Let's we ever get on this lesson here, okay? We're in the book of Acts, and and um, oh, I got something else. I've, I I keep I'm a forgetful person. I've got what do they call it? AD. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Okay, I, I forget. Uh, Sissy wanted to send us a card, and uh, she wanted to say these words. She said, "Thank you for all the kind things you uh, did for Mike's family and myself at the time of his passing." I want to also thank you for all the prayers um, during his illness. Soft tissue saracoma is a rare and aggressive cancer. I believe your prayers kept him with me as long as possible. Our hope is in Jesus. We will see him again. And I think that's just a... And Sissy, I believe that as well. I think that's awesome. And um, church, you know, it's, we, we, uh, we experience loss and gain. As we follow Christ, don't we? You know, so heaven's a better place uh, with Mike there. Not to say it's not better here, but um, it's a better place because of Mike. Uh, let's see. We're in the book of Acts, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff happening. You know, right now we're in the second week of Take the Plunge with the kids. A lot of the campus students are helping. If you if you can see outside, they're already doing some uh, some stuff outside in a water activity. And uh, by the way, in five weeks... There is going to be a Parents' Day with Take the Plunge where the parents were encouraging the parents to participate in worship uh, with the kids in the back. And so that's going to be coming up uh, here shortly in just five weeks. We're in a series of Book of Acts. We've been looking at the Book of Acts now. This is the 14th week. Can you imagine that? And I think we've got about five or six more lessons to go, church. There's just so much in the Book of Acts. Uh, My favorite book in the Bible is Proverbs, and my second favorite book is the book of Acts. So we're going to be looking at both those books today, uh, looking at what the Bible says about becoming a lifelong learner. Are you still learning? Are you still learning stuff? Are you still reading? Are you still studying? Are you still trying to improve yourself? You know, one of the things that, um, I, I, I don't know, for me, when I got out of school, out of high school, I thought I wouldn't have to learn anymore. I'd learned everything. And then I go to work and I find out I have to learn trigonometry and algebra and, and geometry and metallurgy. And I, I mean, my particular field, I had to learn a lot of uh, things that they didn't really teach me in high school, not that much. 
And I just remember going, wow, there's so much to learn. And then after I got through that four-year tool and die program, I thought, well, I'm done. I have nothing else to learn. Then I got into preacher school. Oh, my goodness. All kinds of books, all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm learning that, that life is a learning process. It's for a lifetime. Would you consider yourself a lifetime learner? I tell you, a guy, there's a guy in the book of Acts that was a lifetime learner. And his name was Apollos. And if you've got a Bible, I'd like us to turn there and, and to Acts 18. And let's read about this guy who was a lifelong learner. It's Acts chapter 18. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. And this is what, it's, this is what the Bible has to say about this man. It says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. By the way, Priscilla and Aquila is a couple that Paul met in Corinth. We find that out in chapter 18, verses 1 through 3 or 4 there. And we find out that um, Aquila is the man. What a name. That's his name, Aquila, or Aquila, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And Priscilla is his wife. And Aquila is a tent maker. So Paul met Aquila as they were making tents together. And so he's, they, they've gone along with uh, Paul as he's uh, moving his way to Ephesus. As before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus. While Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail from, then they set sail, he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Paulus, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the way of the Lord more adequately. Isn't it interesting? They're called Aquila and Priscilla, Aquila and Priscilla, and then all of a sudden Priscilla and Aquila heard him. I think it was the wife's idea to invite him over. I think she gave her husband a little elbow and said, Honey, we need to have that man over. We're hearing him. He's doing a great job, but he doesn't know some things. We need to help him. So they invite him over. They explain the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go, uh, go to Achaia, that's another word for Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was of great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And here's, a, here's a guy who's a lifelong learner. The Bible calls Apollos a learner. It says that he had a thorough knowledge of the scripture. Now, this man is a native of Alexandria. He was born in Alexandria. Now, Alexandria was named after Alexander the Great. It's the second largest city in the Roman Empire at that time. And it's also a mecca or a learning center. It's, you would call it the Cambridge of the Roman Empire. If you wanted to get a great education, you live in Alexandria. It's, it's, uh, it's got universities and colleges. In fact, 
its museum and library held 700,000 volumes of scrolls and books. This place was the place to go and learn. So when it says that Apollos was a learned man, what an understatement. This man, this man had access to the writings of Plato and Socrates, philosophers, and he also had access to the Word of God because he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He was a Jew. So he knew his Bible. He knew uh, the philosophy of the day. The guy was incredible, a very intelligent and informed man. And um, in fact, uh, he believed, he believed, it says here, again, here's the first passage. It says he was a learned man. But I want you to know to, uh, this morning that it wasn't by accident he was a learned man and had a thorough knowledge of the Scripture. He, ha- he had an appetite for w- the wisdom of God. And he, ge- he dedicated his life to learning what God had to say. Now, there's a passage just down in your notes. It's not up here on the screen. But if you were to look at it, it's Proverbs 4, verse 7. I think the NIV says it this way. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. It says in the New Living Translation, it says the same passage like this. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. You know, the Bible, this is the book of Proverbs is a handbook on wisdom, on the handbook on learning. And when God speaks, when he spe- the whole book of Proverbs is about God's wisdom. Now, God's wisdom can include how plants work. Because Solomon, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, gave his mind to everything, learned all kinds of things, and gave himself to the knowledge of what God had available by looking at plant life, by looking at, looking at people, psychology, whatever. He, he learned, the, the, he looked at the planets. Solomon used every avenue available to him to learn all kinds of things that God has revealed in nature. But he, he said it was useless unless he knew the Creator Himself. It was useless unless he knew the will of God. He said, that's how he concludes the book, remember? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. After looking at everything, trying everything, I've realized something. That a man should remember the Creator in the days of his youth. He should, he should seek the Lord and remember the Lord, for it is the will of God. It is the whole duty of man to know the Lord. He says, without that... What's the point of knowing anything else? Follow me? And that takes a lifetime. I, I don't know everything, do you? I don't know everything. I, I, I've met people that know a lot about certain topics. Vernon Matthews was a botanist. He knew everything about plant life. And so I would sit there for hours and listen to this guy talk about how plants grew and, and he knew which mushroom to choose. He goes, but, by the way, Tim, there's one thing you need to remember about mushrooms. And what's that? You only make one mistake. That's all you got to worry about. Okay, and I'm going, I don't even want to make one, you know. And he knew all about this. But, you know, I found out he didn't know anything about the Lord. But then he began to put his heart and his energy into knowing the Lord. And with the time he had left on this earth, he learned the will of God for his life. It's never too late to learn. Never too late to begin learning, to be a lifetime learner. A lifetime learner begins learning. If you haven't learned the will of God, you learn now. And if you're somebody go, I have no idea what God wants me to do with my life, why not start today and become a lifetime learner? A person that will learn what God has in store for you. Now, Apollos was a guy who valued wisdom, like I said. And he's an example of a lifelong learner. Like I, I'm going to ask you again, do you think you're a lifelong learner? 
It's an important question to ask ourselves this morning. Because a lot of times things get in the way of learning. Sometimes things make learning difficult. I've got here uh, four barriers, but I've actually added a fifth one because I'm a preacher and I'm always adding stuff, okay? There's five, there's five barriers. Let's look at four of them, then I'll name the fifth one. And maybe you can think of things that get in the way of learning that may have gotten in your way before. Well, let's look at some of them. What's the first one, Tim? Well, the first barrier of learning is that learning is difficult, becomes difficult when I'm unhealthy. What are you talking about, Tim? I think it's difficult to learn when I don't feel well. Is it easy for you to learn when you don't feel well? When you're sleepy? Is it easy for you to learn when you're sick? There's a connection between, between health and how I learn in the Scriptures. Let me give you an example. And I hope you don't, don't be too tough on me here. I know this passage is saying some other things, but let's just look at it here, okay? And this is on your notes. You can write it down if you want. It's in the New Living Translation. I picked that translation. Why would you pick that translation, Tim? Because I like it. Now, look at this. It says, my child, eat honey. He's talking to his son, Rehoboam. And Solomon is talking to, to uh, his son. The book of Proverbs is about that, to help his son learn to be a better king. He says, my child, eat honey, for it is good. And the honeycomb is sweet to the taste. And I want you to notice he says two things about honey. He says you need to eat it. By the way, have you ever done a study on honey and all the attributes and all the benefits of eating honey? It's amazing what it can do. There's people in the Bible, when they ate honey, their eyes lightened up. They had energy, a burst of energy when they were fatigued and tired. That's, just, that's actually in the Bible. Look it up. And, and you find, look, he says, he says it's, it's sweet to the taste. It's good for you. And he says, in the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. He says, it's sweet to the soul. And look what he says. It has a benefit that if you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. He says, you'll have a, you'll have a better life. And that's what we're about at Greater Alton. It's building a bridge to a better life. God wants you to have a better life this morning. And sometimes, sometimes what gets, prevents us from learning can be our diet. I was looking, just look. By the way, you can't tell me that Daniel, when you read the book of Daniel, don't tell me, you can't tell me that Daniel's diet and his ability to be discerning and learn didn't have a connection. We see that connection here. I know it says a lot of other things there, but that's what I noticed, that eating honey is good for me and, it's, and wisdom is good for me. And, they, and he's put them together. He's put them together. You know, research has shown that your diet... And, and, and the exercise habits you have have an impact on how you learn. I, I remember one time we've had guest speakers come in. I don't know how many times we've had this happen. Guest speakers come in for the weekend. And, and I remember Joe Beam one time asking us, what are you serving in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon? I said, well, we'll have coffee and donuts. No, 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 no. Let's have fresh fruit and, let, and let's have water. I go, why, why, Joe? Because after lunch, everybody comes in so tired. And if you give them donuts, they'll have this sugar high. They'll go, and then, bang, they'll crash. They'll be sleeping on me by the, the last lesson. He's right. He's right. There's a connection between your diet and becoming a discerning person. I mean, it, sometimes, some of us here, it may be that all we need to do, it's a simple, simple solution to learning, is take a nap. I do it all the time. This week, we were roofing the shop. 
It was 95 degrees of the heat index of 105, and we're on the roof of this shop. We, it took us three days. And I had my two sons, my nephew. My nephew was like a one-man destructive plague. And this man went through, he was going through these shingles like easy pie. But I thought, man, you're going to wear yourself out, Michael. But I mean, that man was ferocious. And it's hot. And we'd work 30 minutes, and then we'd have to go inside for 30 minutes and cool off. Work for 30 minutes, lots of Gatorade, lots of water. And for three days, we did this. I get home Wednesday because we started, Danny said, why don't we do this? What a novel idea. Let's start at 6 in the morning when it's cool, and maybe we'll get done before it gets hot. And we tried that the third day. And what took us all day to do on one side of the roof, it took us only four hours to do on the other side. Note to self, listen to Don Yoder. Now, here's, so, so what we do is we, uh, we all go home, and I hadn't had my quiet time because it was, you know, I get up at quarter to six, and I usually have my quiet time, but we were roofing. So I thought, well, I'll go home and have my quiet time. So I sit down, and I start reading my Bible, and then I start texting. And I fall asleep. Guys, I fall asleep three times trying to send out the daily text. You know, it's embarrassing when you send a text. And then the Lord said, and you have a thousand M's. I wake up. What did I just do? You know, I mean, it's embarrassing when you do things like that. Okay, That's what happened. I mean, I almost sent that out. And, and uh, I found out, you know, Tim, maybe you just need to take a hint here from your body and take a nap. Now, when I was 20, I burnt can- my, the candle on both ends. I heard a guy say one time, when you burn the candle on both ends, you're not very bright. And that's true. I'll be honest with you. A lot of you here, you know, we burn the candle on both ends. You stay up real late. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm connecting with people. I'm doing things. Yeah, but you can't learn anything because you're tired. Maybe you ought to go to bed an hour earlier. Try it. Try it. Maybe it's just eating right. I know for me, there was a time in my life I was not studying my Bible every day. I wouldn't read my Bible every day, and I wouldn't read any books. Somebody said, read this book. Okay, and I'd, sit on, I'd read the title, and I'd sit it on the shelf. Have you read the book? I've read the title. Why aren't you reading, Tim? I don't know. I just don't, I don't enjoy it. You ever felt like that? I just don't enjoy it. Something's awry. And my wife, in her wisdom, said, why don't you go visit, why don't you go get an eye exam? An eye exam? I'm only 42. You need to go get an eye exam. So I go, I go to Rose Optical, and there's this young 20-some-year-old Eye guy. Got a wrinkle on him. Stick your head in this and start looking. So I'm looking. Everything's blurry. And I'm like, so frustrated. Lots of anxiety. Just like, and he starts flipping those lenses. You remember, you know, he flips those lenses. And all of a sudden, he gets them just right. And I can see everything clearly. And I go, (laughs) he goes, okay, I know your problem is. What is it? You can't see. And I go, well, yeah, I, okay. Why is that? And I'll never forget. He goes, <laughs> well, you've made the turn. What are you talking about, turn? Well, you know, the turn. And I go, you know, I, I can see the parking lot from here. Let's go out here and I'll show you the turn. <laughs> That's what I said to him. He goes, man, calm down. Everybody's going through this. We all, you know, we're no longer spring chickens. So what do I do? And he goes, you need to get a pair of glasses. So they fit me some glasses. I quickly lose those and learn I only need reading glasses. 
So I go to Walgreens, and I got reading glasses everywhere now. And, and I just couldn't believe it. I started reading again. I started, it was just a simple eye exam. And guys, for some of us here, the reason we're not learning is because we're just not very healthy. If we just take care of, better care of ourselves, that might make the difference. Studies prove it. They confirm it, that our diet and our exercise have an impact on, on our learning. Now, the second one's probably more common when we think of, and that is that, that uh, learning becomes difficult because of pride. I'm full of pride. I don't understand. How can somebody who has a big head not want to fill it with knowledge? If he's got a big head, you'd think there's more room. But he doesn't. Look what the Bible says here. Look what Proverbs says. Again, book, this book is devoted to learning. Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord. But wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. You ever been with a know-it-all? They don't listen. They argue with you. Let me give you some other words for discord. Here are the other words. Conflict, dispute, friction. You know, when you're full of pride, those teaching relationships you have are always frustrating. Friction. There's conflict. Why? Because this person knows everything. They don't need to know anything else. I don't know when we started learning this. When did we start acting like know-it-alls? I was thinking I can remember my earliest time was when I was five. And, I'm, and mom's going to tie my shoe. And I go, I, I hit her hand and said, Mom, I can do it. Maybe that was the beginning. I definitely know when I was a teenager. I knew it all. And then when I started out of high school and you start attending college and you start learning from professors why you come home going um, mom dad you really don't, you're behind the eight ball when it comes to knowing what's going on now what is it about us we finally get then we finally get to an age where we go you know I'm beginning to have more questions than answers and mom and dad start looking like they're brilliant again what happened pride I get full of pride, and it keeps me from learning. I don't know how many times. I, my dad, uh, oh, oh, what an embarrassing story. My dad would, we'd be working on the farm, and he'd say, you need to do this. And I'd say, I know, I know. And he'd say, I know, granddad. I know, granddad. i go, what is that supposed to mean? Then his dad would be out working with us. And dad would suggest something. He'd say, I know that. I know that. And i go, is that how I sound? Because granddad didn't know what he was doing. And yet he'd say, I know, I know. It's a major, major barrier to learning. It's pride. You, you have some pride? How do I know, Tim? Just look at the relationships you have, the learning relationships you have. Is there discord? Is there friction? Is there frustration? Are you frustrating the person that's working with you, that's trying to disciple you? Wonder why. Could it be pride? Here's another one, number three. Learning becomes difficult when I lack self-discipline. What are you trying to say, Tim? Lazy people don't learn. If I don't push myself and learn something, if I, if I lay around, I'm not going to learn anything. It says here, look at this. I went past, this is again Proverbs 24. I went past the field of a sluggard. That's a lazy person. And why'd you pick this translation? Because sluggard just sounds so awful, doesn't it? I went past the field of a sluggard. Past the field of a man who lacks judgment. Isn't it interesting? 
that sluggery, if there's such a word, and and the person who lacks judgment go together. That laziness and a lack of learning go together. He said, I went past it. Thorns had come up everywhere. What's he saying? There's thorns everywhere. What do thorns represent? Difficulty. You ever tried to work with, with something that's got thorns? How hard it is? You guys, you, you go berry picking? Or you walk through the woods, you're, you're looking for mushrooms in the spring, or maybe you're, maybe you're just, like, the other, like yesterday, I'm cutting, I'm cutting uh, hedge apple trees. And they got thorns about an inch long. And for some reason, it seems like they have like an anticoagulant element at the tip of them. So when you get stuck, you just bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. And it hurts for a couple of days. And here I am trying to cut this tree branch, and thorns are real close. It's so difficult. He says, I went past the field of a sluggard, a guy who doesn't learn anything, and it's full of things that make it difficult. He says, the ground was covered with weeds, neglect, and the stone wall, the thing that would protect him. And guys, I learned back from Grammar Rock. Some of you can remember Grammar Rock. It says, knowledge is power. That, the Bible teaches that. That wisdom is supreme. Knowledge is power. But when you're not learning, it's like the, like the, the stone wall is destroyed and anything can get to you. If you read Proverbs chapter 2 sometime, it says that when you attain knowledge, it will protect you. Well, what happens to the person who doesn't take the time? Doesn't take the time to read. Doesn't take the time to discipline himself to get with people. Won't connect with people that know what the Bible teaches. Won't connect with other wise people. I'll tell you what happens. Their lives are ruined. They are ruined. Because they won't learn. Here's the fourth one, fourth barrier. Learning becomes difficult. It's difficult when I spiritually plateau. I know this from experience. You know, you, you become a Christian, you get all fired up, you get excited, you start reading your Bible, you're taking classes, you're, getting, you're going to discipleship group, you're getting with your discipler, you're doing follow-up studies, you're, you're, you're sharing your faith, things seem to be going really good, and then for some reason, things begin to start leveling off. You begin to plateau. It's like you've, you're working up this mountain of, of, of maturity and growth. And by the way, it's like climbing a mountain. And you're working your way up, and for some reason you get to a place that's a flat spot and you stay there. You still have a long way to go. But for some reason you're satisfied with that level. Anybody fit that this morning? To me, this is the... This is the biggest barrier, one of the biggest barriers that keeps people from growing and maturing. They spiritually plateau and, and, and almost fool themselves into thinking they've arrived. Look at Hebrews. Here's the book of Hebrews. We went through Hebrews earlier this year and, I, and a great study. And, and look at this, what it, what it says here. There's much more we would like to say about this, but you don't seem to listen. And notice he says, it's hard to make you understand because there's some difficulty here. I think uh, the NIV says you're slow to learn. He says something's making it difficult. Something's making it hard. And he says you've been Christians a long time now and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again and the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. And look what he says. Look what he says here. You're like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. He goes, you're stuck in baby land. I think... uh, uh, Jerry Jones said it really well last week. He said, 
There's people who have been Christians for 50 years. They think they've been Christians for 50 years, but really they've been Christians for one year 50 times. He says, you're like babies that are still on milk. You really never made that next step. Why? You've plateaued, and it makes it very difficult for you to learn. Oh, I don't need to go to that class. I don't need to get together and look at that. I don't need to pay attention to this sermon. Why? I'm pretty. I'm kind of happy where I'm at. Well, guys, a lifelong learner isn't about finding personal happiness and where they're at, but seeking to please God where He's taking them. He wants to take them to growth and maturity. And He wants to take you to growth and maturity. Now, the fifth one I didn't. I, haven't, I don't have any. Didn't have it on the notes. I believe is a very common one. And the fifth one is learning is difficult. When I have no confidence. What do you mean, Tim? Oh, there's so many things that, you know, if we could just be honest, some of us here will, will, will say, I just don't know if I can learn. I can't learn like you, Tim. I can't learn like, like Alan. You know, Alan's so intelligent. Alan is a very intelligent man. I've got to admit it. You are. You are. You have your days, but you know. Yeah, we all do. But you look at some people, you admire them. You know, you know, Gary. Gary's one of the clearest teachers I've ever heard. Very clear. He's going to be talking in a couple of weeks. And, and I, just, I just love listening to Gary because he's so clear. He well, methodically thinks things out logically. And I just I admire that. And some of you here, you know, I, I, you sit with Bob Hawkins for, uh, and you go, man, you know so much about so many things. And you think it just happened like that? It did not happen like that. And yet Bob could probably tell you, Alan could probably tell you, Gary could probably tell you, I know I could tell you, there were times when we just didn't feel very confident we could learn. Sometimes it's, it goes like this, I'm not a very good reader. That's, that's what I was convinced of. See, when I was a kid, I was told I was stupid and dumb on a daily basis. Just about on a daily basis. And when you go to school and you think you're dumb, and then you start taking a test and you flunk it, that seems to confirm it. So then you begin to believe it. And so then you don't take school seriously. So that's why I don't know how to spell or, or I'm not very good at certain things. English. I prove it every Sunday, right? You know, English. And I, 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 There's times, guys, I'm a very slow reader. You say, no, you're not. I am telling you the truth. I'm a very slow reader. Some of you here probably feel that way, too. Tim, I'm just such a slow reader. First book I ever read from cover to cover was in high school. It was Charlotte's Web. And I cried at the end. Now, I was in, I was in my bedroom with the door shut. <laughs> you know, I cried like crazy. That's one of my favorite books. But it, it took me, I don't know how many times I had to renew that book at the library. Tim, you still got Charlotte's Web? Keep it down. Tell me it's, a, you know, it's baseball. That's what I'm reading about. Baseball. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tim, uh, you're renewing that baseball book again. Man, it's been three weeks. You must really like it. I'm a slow reader. Maybe some of you here feel like, I'm just a slow reader. Is it, is it hard for you to comprehend things? Me too. I have to read things sometimes five, six, seven, eight times before I go, oh... Oh, I misunderstand people a lot. I misspeak a lot. 
why is it comprehension like a discipline sometimes? Maybe you feel that way. You know, Tim, I just don't think I can learn. My brother, I'll never forget my brother Danny. You know, if you've ever been with Danny, he knows his Bible pretty good. It, it gets me. When he, when he first became a Christian, he goes, Tim, I, I don't think I can learn anything. Why not? I fried my brains on drugs. And I go, you did not either. Yes, I did. You don't. You weren't with me. All the benders I did and all the stuff I did and all the things I put in my body, I just don't think I can. My brain is fried. And he was convinced of that. And I said, do you know your name? Well, yeah. What's your phone number? Well, what's that got to do with that? You can memorize. You can still learn. Oh, Danny, don't, don't you think God will give you the power to learn? I want you to know this morning. You know, I know some of us here, it's a chore for us to learn. You might think, I'm, you know, when God handed out the brains, I didn't get quite the whole one. I got what was left. You know, he swept up the floor, brain parts. Here you go. You know, you know and that's not true. God gave you a brain. He gave you a good one, too. You know, you, you say, well, I say the dumbest stuff. That's because you're mixed up. Me too. I get mixed up too. But you know what? When we start devoting ourselves to being lifelong learners, you know, God will help you with, with that and, and turn that reason into an excuse. And you'll begin to learn. It starts somewhere. It starts with one verse. And then you add another. It starts with getting with somebody and getting with another. It starts with making the time and making the effort to be a lifelong learner. So, now that we've got that all out of the way, these are the barriers. I want to ask yourself, just ask yourself this morning, which barrier do you think is in the way that keeps you from learning or makes it difficult for you to learn the most? Now, Apollos could have had any of these. He could have had any of these barriers. But we're going to see that he broke through those barriers and became a lifelong learner and God blessed his life. Let's look at what does it take to become a lifelong learner from this guy named Apollos. First of all, I become a lifelong learner, number one, when I focus on what God says. There's something I noticed about Apollos. It says he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. That's what it says in verse 24 there. Notice that on your notes? It says he was a learned man, but he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. Circle that part there. A thorough knowledge. Now, did he get that overnight? No. It was something he gave himself to. He was born in a town that, that, that offered it, and he gave himself to that kind of, of life. But I want to, what I want you to know in particular is that his learning centered around Scripture. It centered around what God had to say. Now, everybody here is probably, you, some of you here, I look around, some of you are very knowledgeable about a particular field. Some of you may know about biology pretty well. Some of you can. Some of you are mechanics. You know a lot about. You know I can sit there like Goober. I watched a Goober the other day. Andy Griffin. He goes pucketa pucketa pucketa. He was talking about the sound of an engine. Is it pucketa pucketa or pangata pangata? You know he was talking about the different sounds. And by the hearing the different sounds, he could tell you what was wrong with the engine. And some of you are that good. You know, I can call you on the phone. I'll call Chris. Chris, there's the problem. I've got with the car. Okay, what's it doing? What's going? Puckety puckety. And he goes, puckety puckety. Not pangety pangety. No, no, puckety puckety. Puckety puckety. I'll tell you. Why don't you check that out? And he's right. You know, some people are just gifted and they've studied. I mean, he's a master mechanic. Did you know that? Now, I'm not saying that so you go bother him and ask him why all your car was. Because he won't want that. But he's only one of a few. Not very many guys. Just a handful. I would say a handful. How many... You're a master mechanic, right? World class. That's right. I'm sorry. 
world class. I'm sorry, you're right. He, he, he doesn't brag about it. There's only like 1,000 or so, 2,000? About 2,000 in the world, and we have one sitting right here. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, he went to school. He got the extra training. I think that's really cool. Some of you here, I know we got a lawyer here in this town knows law. If you want to, if you want to know about law, I asked Jim Strip, is there a law about that? And he, he, he'll talk till the cows come home about laws and how Illinois works and stuff. I mean, he's an expert in that field. Some of you here are experts in, in, in chemi- chemistry. Some of you are like chemists and you, you can make things. And, and some of there's, I know somebody that can explode things here in this church, you know, that does a great job of exploding things. I'm not going to mention his, not going to mention his name, Jonathan. But anyway, you know, made his own fireworks this year and about killed people. No, he didn't really. But, you know, some of you are good at, you, you know, you know where to find the best coupons or, or you know the best fashion or you know the best products. You, you just have that feel. But what good is all of this knowing this good stuff, which is good? Some of you are like, you know, Don Yoder's electrician. You know, Mike is a, almost can do anything. You know, there's a, a lot of you have these fields you're very good at. You're knowledgeable. But what good is it if I don't know what God has to say? Really think about that. Why sell myself short of, well, I know about this. I know how to cook. I know how to barbecue. I know how to, I know how to raise kids. I know how to sew. I know how to teach. I know how to, I know how to do all kinds of things. I know how to tinker. I know how to paint. And there is an art to that and a, and a skill to that. I know how to do all kinds of things, but I don't know very much about the will of God. And see... Apollos, as a lifelong learner, said, I want to know what God has to say. Why? Why is that so important, Apollos? Because wisdom is supreme. God's wisdom matters more than anything. You might know a lot about painting. You might know a lot about cars. You might know a lot. But if you don't know a rip about how God can bless your marriage, you're going to be in trouble. You might know a lot about a lot, a lot about food and how to cook and nutrition and all the calories and you know what, how to exercise and the best exercise to work those quads and that's wonderful. But if you don't know the will of God, you're going to have trouble in your relationships. You might know a lot about money and investment, but if you don't know the will of God, you won't know the greatest investment you can make with that money. It says here. Look at look at this. Look at look at. Uh, in Proverbs 4, this is after he makes the case about wisdom is supreme. He says, always remember what you've been taught. He's talking about the wisdom now he's got from God, as Solomon's talking here. And don't let go of it. Keep all that you have learned. And why? It's the most important thing in life. And the most important thing in life, folks, is what God says. I want to say this, and I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but I want to tell you something. You guys believe stuff that's not in the Bible. You understand me? There are things that you believe that are not in the Bible. How do you know that, Tim? Because I believe some things are not in the Bible, too. We're all in the same boat on this. We just haven't seen it yet. You're ignorant. Hey, wait a minute. Ignorant meaning you don't know. You don't know yet. Wait a minute, that's, that's a good thought. I'm ignorant. Is it because I don't know or I don't know yet? Because I determine that. You determine that. I want to know. Paul said, I want to know Christ. 
David says, I want to know every principle in your word. And guys, you and I determine, will we ever know it or know it at all? We determine the possibility of knowing what God wants for our lives. It's the most important thing in life. I think I, I find great satisfaction. Yesterday I worked on my chainsaw, and I just and I thank God. This is, I know it's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. I thank God for giving me mechanical ability, and I go, God, thank you for. I made a part that fixed my made it from scratch and put it on my chainsaw. It works great. I said, Lord, thank you for the men and the women who taught me since I was a kid to this point that I could, it helped me get this skill developed in my life. But guys, I'll tell you, as much satisfaction as that brings me, I want to know what God wants me to do. Man, if I could have that. What's he want me to do in this situation? What's, what's, what's he wanting me to do with this? How does he really feel about me? These are very much more important than working on a chainsaw. That might give me some happiness for a minute. But the things that God wants me to know, that he wants you to know, combust you eternally. So it starts with what does God say? What does God want? I love this passage. I, found, I stumbled across this passage. You do that when you're researching. It took me an hour and a half to find this one. I love it. It's about the king. And, and God is, God is instru- you know, Israel wanted a king. They didn't need a king, but they kept whining about it. So God gave in and said, okay, you can have a king, but understand, we need to get the ground rules here. And he talks about a king shouldn't marry foreign women, shouldn't have a lot of wives, shouldn't have a lot of chariots and horses. You know, he gets the big head, starts relying on his own power. And then he says this, look what he says here. He must always keep this copy of the law with him and read it daily as long as he lives. He says he, he's got to be a lifelong learner of what God says. Why? That way he'll learn to fear the Lord, his God, by obeying all the terms of his law. You know, you do a research of the kings, you find the first king of Israel was Saul, and then the second king of Israel was David, the third king of Israel was Solomon, the fourth king of Israel was was Rehoboam, and then it gets complicated. It goes sideways. You have the all of a sudden Israel's broken into two parts. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they got their own kings. You got Jehoshaphat, Joash, Josiah, Hezekiah, you got Manasseh, he was the worst of the bunch. You've got Asa, you've got all these different kings. All, all different kinds of kings. And you know what I learned? The ones that were good did this. The ones that were bad did not. And I what I noticed about this church is this is that I determine if I'm going to be a good man or a bad man. A good dad or a bad dad. A good husband or a bad husband. A good wife. You, know, you can work the female side all you want, you ladies. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm learning this, that, that I may not be a king, but all of us here are priests and in a way have some kingly influence in the places we go. And if I will read the Bible, if I will start there and say, you know what, I want to know the Bible as much as I, I know about how to cook a steak or how to fix a car. When I make it that my passion, it will 
It determines if I'm going to be a good one or a bad one. It starts there. And Apollos was a good one. Such a good man. Because he did the, the second thing that made him a lifelong learner that we, he calls us to do. And that is that I admit I have more to learn. Nobody knows everything. Why are we trying to fool everybody? Somebody talks about something we don't know about it. And what do we say? Yeah, I know about that. We don't know what we're talking about sometimes, right? Let's just be honest. Our eyes are brown sometimes for a reason. We can be full of it. We want to wing it and fake our way through the conversation. We want to impress people. You know, we think it's kind of weakness to, to say we don't know. Apollos would beg to differ. He'd say, oh, no, Tim, it's a sign of wisdom to admit you don't know. Look what, look what, look what the Bible says here in, in, in the book of Acts, or book of Proverbs, sorry. It says, teach the wise, and they will be wiser. Teach the righteous, and they'll learn more. See, Apollos is wise. He knows he doesn't know everything. He knows he, need, he, can, he needs to learn more. It says that he was a learned man, but I want you to notice, look what it says here in Acts 18, that he was limited. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. What do we know about him right now? We know that, that he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures, which meant he had a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament. Okay? The New Testament had been written yet. And we also know that that he'd been instructed, somebody had instructed him the way of the Lord. Remember that for later reference. Somebody had instructed him. And it was somebody who knew about Jesus up to the baptism of John. So it's probably a disciple of John the Baptist or John the Baptist he's learned from. He's probably learned from somebody who John the Baptist taught. Now what does this tell us? It tells us that he knows about Jesus. He knows he's the Messiah. He knows he's here. He knows he was baptized by John the Baptist. But he didn't know anything after that. So what does he not know, church? Huh? His crucifixion? He doesn't know about that. His resurrection. Boy, you're saying it was just his resurrection. His resurrection, that's right. He doesn't know about his ascension. He doesn't know about the Sermon on the Mount. He's not heard any of that. He's not heard any of these stories. He's not heard about Peter walking on the water. Him healing people? He knows up to the baptism of John. And what I noticed about this man is, he is limited. He knows Jesus up to a point. Now listen to me for a second. This is a statement I'm going to make and we'll move on. You know Jesus up to a point. Why not admit it? Why don't we just admit it? I know Jesus up to a point. I don't know everything. Even the Apostle Paul said, I don't, I've not laid hold of it yet. I don't know everything yet. And if apostles don't know everything, why can't we admit it? Because I'm sure a long way from being an apostle. I love the, the sayings here in Proverbs. This is the saying of Agar. This is Agar. In the book of Wisdom, look what he says. I'm the most stupid person there is. Mom always said life's like a box of chocolates. I mean, it's like a Forrest Gump moment. I'm the most stupid person there is. I have no understanding. I have not learned to be wise. And I don't know much about God, the Holy One. And, and yet, this is the wise sayings of Agar. 
See, it's a trait of wisdom to admit you don't know everything. And by the way, I think he's saying, even though he knows so much, and he made it in the book of Proverbs, he says, I don't know everything. You read on, and he goes on, he says this, Can God, can, who do you know, who can put all the wind in the hollow of his hand, or all the waters and put them in, the, in his cloak? And who is it that can travel from heaven to earth? I'm a stupid person. It ain't me. I can't do any of that. He says, I want to know who does that. I've asked Mark Landon. Is Mark, are you around anywhere? Oh, yeah. yeah, come on up here. I've asked Mark to talk about, you know, he started attending church here at Greater Alton. He's going to tell you a little bit about that and how he come to learn some things and now is a part of this congregation. Okay, so you got a mic, Mark? Yes, mic, Mark, 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 Mark. Go ahead. I can make it work. You need a pulpit? Here, I'll give you a pulpit. And I've become the, the sound guy here, and this morning has taught me there's an awful lot I still don't know about that. <laughs> That's funny. So, you all remember the, the video we saw a while back, the Book of Acts in Three Minutes? Yes. Tim says I have eight. And I'm thinking... 54 years and 8 minutes. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it way down. Uh, I, I prepared a lot of stuff, but you know what? What he says is true. Um, I've, I could tell you my whole story, and it would be one that, that sounds similar to a lot of your own. Uh, come from a broken home as a kid. My dad was, was crazy, and his, his attention to his kids ranged from complete indifference and, and, and inattention to rages that would last for days. But I did have the influence of my mom's parents, uh, who pointed me in the direction of Jesus when I was a kid. And that was really the only stability that I had at that time. Uh, but because of my, the environment that I was kind of stuck with, with my parents. Eventually they did divorce. Uh, my mom hung on for dear life for 17 years, and then she had to let that go, and she threw in the towel. Uh, that kind of messed me up a little bit, and I, even though you know I had, had come to know Christ as my Savior at that point, I walked in the wilderness for a long time. And... Uh, I want to go right next to the next point. And that last verse you can skip. Hey, Tim. I forgot to turn your microphone off. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Alan's got it. Wait, wait, wait. I Tell forgot me, to do is that. Is it on mute? He, he, he's he's yeah. got it now. It must, okay. have been some, it must have been somebody else. It was me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I walked in the wilderness for a long time. Um... Uh, Truth of the matter is, uh, I was a partier. Anybody been through that as a, as a youth? Okay. Uh, I was not a model college student, okay, uh, because that was completely secondary in my life. Uh, I was all about the party. Um, fortunately, during that time, because I think God was working in my life the whole time, even through all that, because he brought to me during that time uh, 
the girl that would eventually become my wife. And she's not in here because she and my daughter are out there with the kids today. But one of the most patient people I've ever met in my life, and she needed to be because I, I tested every ounce of that patience. Uh, but the early part of our marriage, you know, was, was not with the Lord. We didn't walk that way. Uh, we, we pretended to be good people, you know. Eventually, though, we did meet some people that, that were part of a small church in Alton that, that, you know, invited us to come and drew us in. And uh, the, the pastor there was a, a, a real man of God. He was an excellent Bible teacher. He drew me back to the Word, and thankfully, our family became, you know, members there. We were there for 13 years. Uh, the, the pastor, though, after a while, felt called to go somewhere else, and he left. And although I watched my girls grow in their love for Jesus through the years there, uh, what I failed to see was how spiritually narrow our, our little church was becoming. And, um, you know, the, it was becoming more about the doctrine than it was about the loving Jesus. And uh, eventually that, that kind of came to show itself just a couple of years ago when that little church uh, blew up, basically. Uh, and for the sake of some, hey, there they are, my wife Debbie and Melissa. She, they're up there in the balcony watching me. Well, now I'm really nervous. Anyway, so our, our little church, um, some men who I thought were really godly and who loved the Lord demonstrated to me a, a complete lack of grace at, at a very crucial time in our churches. At, right at the end, they turned on our pastor, the whole thing blew up, and within a couple of weeks, our church did not exist anymore. We had been in that church for 13 years. I had led the worship at that church for, for the last 10 of those. And my world was rocked. But what has happened since then has been pretty amazing. My daughter, Melissa, she's up there. And those of you who know Melissa know I don't really need to say much about her because she, she is a very vibrant and, and kind of out front personality. You all know that. See, these people here in the front are all going, yeah, yep. Uh, but I will say without a doubt, she, she led us here because she, she was involved with some folks back then. This was the summer of 2011 and had come here as a visitor. And Debbie and I were like, well, I guess we're going to church shop to, to find another church. And Melissa's like, you know, you really should come to Greater Alton and, and see what that's about. So we did. And we knew Mike and Kim Kiffmeyer at that point peripherally uh, from Halpins and from uh, Debbie and Kim had worked together in, in the Alton School District. And uh, so we knew somebody when we came here. And they were very gracious and, and very, you know, hospitable to us when we came the first couple of times. And eventually we started studying with with Mike and Kim and became a part of their small group and uh, you know Mike and I would we'd get together on a weekly basis and uh, I came to really treasure those times because what what that proved to me was uh, well a couple of things 
how narrow my theology had become. I had put in do- I had put because of the teachings of my old church, I had kind of put doctrine in front of just loving Jesus. And you know, Mike and I had some pretty intense conversations through those those times. While the girls would be upstairs, you know, studying together, he and I would be downstairs in his basement. And often they they would have to open the door and like, are you guys going to finish up sometime soon? Because we'd go on for a couple of hours. And uh, those times with Mike demonstrated to me that that a my 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 theology was pretty narrow and it needed to be changed. And, and b uh, through that time of coming here on Sunday morning, at first when I I have to confess when I first came here I was like. Man, this is a weird place. It's like they don't pay their pastor, and they don't use any instruments in the music. What's wrong with this? Because I had, you know, come from a place where you know you have the worship band and you do all that stuff, and and you can hide a lot of imperfections behind musical instruments. That's uh, that's part of it. But uh, Alan, I love you, man. You, you do a great job here, and you know, Alan and Mike and Tim, and Bob Hawkins, and a lot of you in this congregation. I, I can't think of everybody. But you guys have proven to me that, um, you know, there's so much that I don't know about Jesus still to, to this day. Um, and that while, you know, my trouble started when Tim mentioned that plateau. When I got to that point where I thought, you know, this is this is all right. I think I'm in a good spot here. I got very comfortable in my position at the church, leading the music every week. Nobody really asked too much of me. As long as I put the music out every week, I was kind of on my own little space over there. But God used that whole situation. That church blew up and disappeared uh, as a wake-up call to me. Now, uh, about the time Debbie and I became members here, in May of 2012. And that was about the time that I just, for a number of reasons, went back to school. I hadn't been in college in 30 years. And as I had already told you, I was a lousy student. But something was dragging me back. I'm now taking a, uh, an online, I'm pursuing an online degree, master's degree in theological studies because it appealed to me. And I knew that there was so much that I don't know. And God has got a hold of me somehow. And he wants, he wants more out of me. And I need to do this so that I know. So that I don't get to that point where I'm just satisfied with, with what I know. I want to get to the, the, the point where I am passionate and hungry all the time for the things of God. And there are two things I want to leave with you. Um, I've, I've kind of jumped around here, but there are two things I want to leave with you. God will always put someone in your life to bring to mind, to, to point out to you. I have to find it because I wrote them down. Now I have to look at my page, so avert the eyes. My grandfather was, an, was a role model who taught me just by the example of his life. He didn't say, say much about it. He just lived his life the way God wanted him to live his life. I didn't know that at the time. He's been dead for 20 years. But I know it now. 
But God will always put someone in your life to teach you more about the things of Jesus. Okay? Lastly, and most importantly, and this I'm going to read because the first six words of the Gospel of John. Anybody know what they are? In the beginning was the Word. Okay? You can never have too much of this in your life. I got to the point where I thought I knew everything I needed to know about it. I've come to realize now that I don't even know. I haven't even scratched the surface. So, as, as, as lost and as secure and arrogant and prideful as I was, all, t- all that Tim has said to this point applies directly to me. And I'm sure it probably does to you too. But God brought me back to, to his word. And my life has forever changed because of this book. You can never, ever you know, have too much of this in your life. Pay attention to what Tim's telling you today. It's very important. Thank you. Well, you already know what I'm going to do because I'm going to the next point. So why don't we look at this next point? Thank you, Mark, for that. You know, we don't know everything. And, you know, and remember now, Paulus was a man who had been taught. And yet this third point, I think, is valid that we need to see. And Mark alluded to it as well. That is that I become a lifelong learner when I allow others to teach me. Can you think of anything that you do today that you learned without no one's help? Can you think of anything you say, I did that totally and learned that totally by myself? I've tried to think, and I can't think of anything other than what's natural. You know, some natural things. That's about, they're going to happen whether I want to, want to have it or not, you know. I mean, everything we've learned, what you've learned, I've learned, is from someone. And Apollos was no exception. Look at this passage. It says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. He's very confident in what he believed. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. God used these two people. I love it when Denise and I are involved in the study and he uses the two of us. I'll take a breath and she'll start teaching and then she'll take a breath and I'll start teaching. It's, it's a great tag team. And I think Priscilla was nudging her husband. Did you hear him? Did you hear him? He seems to he mentioned the baptism of John. He's not talking about the baptism of Jesus. He's not talking about the crucifixion. He's not talking about the resurrection. We need to help this guy. Oh, I can see Aquila going, oh, no, wait a minute. He hasn't, he hasn't done talking yet. Oh, come on, honey. We've got to do something. Let's go invite him to our house. And so they, they invite him and they explain to him the way of God more adequately. And it seems that Apollos has no problem with this. I mean, he doesn't say things like, don't you know who I am? I'm Apollos. I'm from, I'm from Alexandria. I have degrees, you know. He doesn't say that. You know, what do you guys do? And Quilla goes, well, I'm a tent maker. You're a tent maker? That's all you do? Man, I'm a professor. I've, I've, studied, under, I've studied things, the writings of Socrates and Plato, and I know, I've, I know the Old Testament forwards and backwards. And here you're telling... He doesn't do any of that. He goes, what do you need to tell me? And he lets others teach him. Look at, look at Proverbs 27:17 here. It says, People use pieces of iron to sharpen iron knives. In the same way people learn 
from other people, making each other sharp. You know, I learned I learned that not only is that is that wise people what they say can give me life, that my spiritual edge my spiritual edge can be determined by who I'm allowing to teach me. And I can be around some folks that all they do is just dull my edge. Or I can be around, I can place myself around people who can give me a razor razor sharp edge spiritually speaking. And and God uses people to do that. Have we got that clear finally? Is that clear in your mind this morning? Not only as a church, but as a Christian, as a disciple, that God's going to use people. May not like what they have to say. I have those people in my life too. But but God uses them to sharpen you when you allow it. You know, it's funny. I know people that have been around some of the best teachers at SIUE, Lewis and Clark, some of the best teachers in in our high schools and our grade schools, some of the best teachers at this church, and still remain dull. Why? Just placing yourself around somebody doesn't make you sharp. Being in the same, you know, just because you put a bunch of knives together in the kitchen drawer doesn't make the dull one sharp all of a sudden. It's got, it doesn't happen by itself. It takes contact and sometimes heat. I love the way Mark was honest about We got into heated discussions sometimes. Been there too. Did the same thing, Mark. I, and I had people challenging me and I just, I got bothered too. Very bothered. And, and boy, talk about heat and sparks flying and I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Only to come back and say, okay, let me hear that one more time. Because it made sense. It made sense. I ask yourself this morning, if you're a lifelong learner, are you allowing wise and sharp people in your life? Number four, I become a lifelong learner when I use what I've learned. I've got to use it or I'm going to lose it. Guys, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And, and, and Apollos immediately began to use what he had learned. He didn't wait. Look, it says, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously, it says in verse 28, he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It made him even better. It made him even improve his ability because he began to put it into practice and began to share it immediately. Guys, this is the major element. Listen to me this morning if you don't hear anything else. This is so important. This right here, this idea of putting into practice what I've learned is a major component in growth and maturity. Without this element, you will not grow. You'll just learn more. You'll have more information transformation. I'm going to quote Rick Warren again. First time I heard it years ago, and I, I believe it's true. Information without application leads to frustration. If I don't put it into practice, then I'm going to be one frustrated person. This morning, I know some of us here are very frustrated with how things are going. Sorry. So, so it's a major component. Unless I apply what I'm learning, I'm going to lose it. Now, listen to me carefully this morning. 
Because I believe we've learned at Greater Alton something that's taking place. And I call it dysfunctional discipling. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm saying that some of us here who are not growing in our small groups, you're not growing with the discipling relationships either because you're still approaching your growth the same old way. And it wouldn't matter if we had small groups, big groups, little groups, large groups, up groups, down groups, wherever groups, you'd still be the same because you're still approaching your own personal growth the same way. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm saying you're depending on somebody else to apply this stuff. Instead of applying yourself, I'm too afraid. Let them help you confront your fear. I'm too lazy. Get off your blessed assurance and start doing something about it. You've got to, church. This is so critical right now. Some of you have plateaus. You're you're satisfied with that. And somehow, God is either either going to use me or somebody... Or something tragic to keep you so uncomfortable that you're going to finally have to get up. So, why? Because even God is frustrated with that kind of life. You're frustrated. He shares your frustration. Because He wants you to grow. He wants you to become. And, and I know that, listen, I think it's great that...